stooping. I felt for pulse in the prone man's wrist, but found none. He was lying on his chest, both arms flung forward, and there were blood stains immediately beneath each armpit, indicating the bullet had passed entirely through him from right to left. The man lay on one cheek, a thin, austere-looking face turned in the direction of the club entrance. In the dim light cast by the neon sign, El Patio, immediately over the bronze doors, I again thought I detected something familiar about his appearance, but it eluded me. I was sure I had never seen him before, but almost equally sure I had seen his picture somewhere. Know who he is? I asked Moldy. Butch here? He shook his head. First time he's dropped in. Then how do you know his name's Butch? Huh? Wall. Why call them all Butch when I don't know who they are? Sounds better than just, hey, you. Ordinarily, I know better than to ask Moldy anything at all. But it had been some time since I had seen him, and I was a little rusty. To the little cabbie, who had again dodged behind Moldy as soon as his collar was released and was still peering at me apprehensively, I said, shut off your motor and prepare to stick around. The cops will want you as a witness. As an afterthought, I told Moldy to keep track of the little man until the police arrived. Then I walked over to the steps, which were by now packed by at least twenty people. Others, still half inside, held wide the big double doors, and behind them crowded a solid pack of customers, straining to see what was going on. For some reason, possibly because the doorman, like the cabbie, had the impression I was the one who had fired the shot and had passed his opinion along, no one but Moldy had ventured farther than the lowest step. The manner in which the crowd seemed to shrink back as I neared substantiated this guess. I had never thought my experience as a first sergeant during the war would be of any value in civilian life, but after all the intervening years I finally found a use for one thing I had learned. Summoning up my old parade ground voice, I boomed, Everybody back to their tables! On the double! The whole crowd jumped like people do after a thunder crash. Then they meekly turned and filed back inside, leaving only Fausta and the doorman on the steps. The doorman eyed me nervously and seemed inclined to follow the customers inside where there were no homicidal maniacs running loose. Fausta turned her big brown eyes on me. What happened, Mani? In a minute, Fausta, I said. I looked at the doorman an imposing figure in the maroon uniform of a Central American general. Seems to me you called yonder corpse by name. Who is he? He swallowed, finally got out. Mr. Walter Lancaster, sir. My hair nearly turned white. Being innocently involved in a murder is bad enough. Having one witness and possibly two convinced you are the killer is even worse but when the victim is the kind whose assassination will cause deep-seated political repercussions and make headlines all over the country, you are, to put it mildly, in an unpleasant spot. Walter Lancaster was lieutenant governor of our neighboring state, Illinois.